Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Well, immigration continues to be a point of national discussion and contention. Of course, in Washington, the issue is so mired in partisan gridlock where both sides of the aisle seem to be more interested in scoring political points than in solving real policy issues for the American people. But as is often the case, America's governors across the country might just have the right solution. Uh, Many governors are calling on Washington to allow states to sponsor immigrants, filling essential roles in state economies and changing the conversation around the immigration system. Utah's Governor Spencer Cox has been part of those conversations and actually had a uh, just a powerful opinion piece in The Washington Post uh, with his colleague, the governor from Indiana, Eric Holcomb. And Governor Cox joins us on the line today to discuss. Governor, thanks for jumping on. Boyd, it's always great to be with you. I I especially loved your description of the problem. I I don't think it could have been a a better description of what's not happening in in Washington, D.C., sadly. Yeah. And so let's dive into that. And and I want to, again, we want to make sure we're dividing the rage from the reason here. And let's start with uh, the need, the need that places like Utah and other places around the country where we need immigrants uh, to be part of strong communities. Yeah, well, this has always been the case in in our country. Immigrants have been a a really important part of the the fabric of our our nation and, and importantly, our our nation's economy. And and we're certainly seeing that here right now as as we have the lowest unemployment in the nation here in Utah. And there are thousands of jobs that we can't fill right now, companies that want to expand, that want to increase their economic footprint. And and there are just certain jobs that that, that are really hard to fill. Um, We We've traditionally had immigrants fill those jobs, and uh, th- those can be in agriculture and in, in hospitality in, in other areas. But uh, because our legal immigration system is so broken right now, it's, it's become very difficult for, uh, for these businesses and, and for our economies to thrive the way they could. Yeah, so, so important. In your uh, opinion piece uh, with Governor Holcomb, uh, you, you called on Congress. Uh, first, I love to just end this two-decade-plus uh, fake fight and false choice. Uh, and I love that you said that, you know, it's uh, immigration is hobbling both parties and more seriously endangering America's long-term well-being. So describe how this would work if states were involved in sponsoring, bringing immigrants in to fill some of those crucial roles. 
Yeah, so, so the idea is that the, the federal government, as is their prerogative, we're, we're not disagreeing with that. The Constitution is very clear that immigration is the prerogative of the federal government. It's, it's, it's ironic because there's so many things the federal government is doing that, that they shouldn't be doing in the Constitution, but this is one they actually should be doing, and there's broad agreement in both parties. Uh, that is securing the border, which is a very important piece of this, and, and both Governor Holcomb and I believe that we have to secure the border. But then, then on this piece, um, basically they would set a cap and, and then up to that cap, uh, states could determine, governors together with their legislatures could determine the number of visas that they want in their state or need in their state. So if there are some states where they don't, they don't think there should be any immigration, they're not interested in any of that, uh, then, of course, they could, they could say, no, we're, we're not going to, to uh, release any visas. But in states like uh, Utah and, and, and Indiana and others that, that are desperate for these, uh, for these workers, then we could say, say, you know, we'll take X number of, of visas, and that would be allowed under under this proposal. Yeah, and that's so such a critical component to that. And I and I love that approach. Uh, we've been following, there was a, a great piece uh, by a Democratic Virginia representative uh, in the House in Washington, D.C., Abigail Spanberger, who, who talked about, let, let's just decouple these two things. As you rightly said, the Constitution says uh, Congress has to do these things, but can we decouple the, the border issue, which has to be done, as, as you pointed out, Governor, and then this immigration component uh, where we can get it done right and where states can can really weigh in. Um, and so what is the appetite? What's been the response uh, to the opinion piece in the, in the Washington Post? And what do you see as the, the next steps in terms of path forward? Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's interesting. It's been it's been mostly positive. Uh, I, I mean, that's what's ironic. We we have issues that Republicans and Democrats disagree on. This is an issue where most Republicans and most Democrats agree. And it surprises people when you hear that. Most Democrats actually want us to secure the border. And most Republicans actually want us to fix legal immigration. The, the problem is, it's not the people, it's, it's the politicians who, who are really good at demonizing the other side on this one to, uh, you know, to get elected and, and, and fundraise. Um, but but the, the kind of rational politicians who are trying to solve problems out there have been very open to this. Um, I, Congressman Curtis is has uh, has talked about this idea now for um, for a couple of years. Um, there there is a group of senators in uh, that, that are that are trying to work on figuring out a bipartisan uh, a compromise of some sort where we can actually get something done here. 
And so um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. But look, I, I, I know there's a reason there's been gridlock for 20 plus years. Um, and, and I'm hoping that we can get around that. But I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, uh, for sure. And sadly, I, I, I'm still one of those who passionately believes we could solve at least 94 and a half percent of this whole issue in an afternoon because everybody agrees uh, it's the politics and the fundraising that get in the way. And I want to hit one other component to this, Governor, that you pointed out in your Washington Post piece. Uh, as you as you talked about Congress saying, hey, let's do this different. Let's shift some of this to the states. Uh, you and uh, your colleague, Governor Holcomb, said, as leaders of states, we pledge to share the accountability uh, and I think that's another component that we're missing in Washington is the, the no one saying, yeah, we'll square our shoulders uh, because we actually believe we have a pr- set of principles and a policy that will work. And if not, you can hold us accountable for it. Right. And, and we we included that very purposefully. We, we our, our hope is that it, one of the things Congress is really good at is punting. And um, and, and so if, if they're not willing to, to shoulder that burden or, or solve this problem, um, they're, they're too worried about their, you know, their reelection or the fundraising, um, then then give it to us. Give it to the governors. Uh, we'll take the arrows for this if it, if it doesn't work the way it should. Um, but uh, but we're willing to put in the, the, the hard work to figure this out to bring people together uh, to to come up with what that policy would look like. And, and, and by the way, we did, we did this in Utah. We did this uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, we passed comprehensive immigration reform here that could be and should be a model to Congress and, and to the nation. And, and sadly, um, neither Republican administrations nor Democratic administrations have, have allowed us or given us the, the, the opportunity to implement that. But we, we've proven that it can be done here. Yeah, no question. And uh, I think you, you, I think that's going to be the line of the day for me today. And that is uh, Congress has gotten so good at punting that they now punt on first down just to prove it. Uh, <laughs> no sense actually trying <laughs> to get something so done. <laughs> uh, well, Governor, we, we so appreciate true. your leadership on this. And uh, again, a great piece in the Washington Post with your colleague, uh, Governor of Indiana, Holcomb. And uh, this is a conversation we hope continues uh, in the state and across the country and especially in Washington, D.C. We appreciate your leadership and raising that conversation, elevating it in a way that hopefully will get us some results that will make a difference for our communities. (laughs) Governor Spencer Cox, I appreciate you taking some time on a very busy day here in the state of Utah. Uh, Again, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. Thanks, boy. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, uh, Kevin Eubanks is going to join us. We'll get some perspective in terms of where we are, where we've been as it relates to the weather, and most importantly, what comes next, how it's going to impact you. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.